Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm currently out on parole. And you can try and get rid of us, but you can't because our names are written on the floor just under that carpet just down there. So you can try if you like, but we, we were here before there was a carpet and windows and stairs. <laughs> and you've done an amazing job. Daryl in particular, what a job to take on this project and the way you've done it that you've only built when you had the funds is a model for the rest of the world because there's a lot of people who build things and spend a hundred years to try and find the funds for what they built and you have done it the other way around and uh, I think Solomon did that um, as far as I know so all right so you can call him Uncle Solomon now if you want to and uh, but it is a great privilege to be here um, privilege it always sounds like a bit of a it's not really the right word for me. I just like being here, right? You guys are wonderful. You're our friends. The worship is fantastic. Uh, South Africa is a part of our lives and our story and our journey. And uh, I've told John that we'll probably keep coming back until they don't let us on a plane. I also said until the chocolate run, rock block runs dry, but I don't know how many of you appreciate the wine humour, so that was just for those that like an occasional glass. If you don't, don't judge me on it. But um, um, So anyway, well, the first service, Daryl stood up and read a verse. There are 30,000 verses in that book. Really, 30,000 verses. And he chose my verse, Daryl did which is either a lucky guess or he is an anointed man of God. And I prefer to believe that he's an anointed man of God. Um, and uh, it's actually a message that I, um, I've, only, I've only preached it once. I, um, I might have done a version of it somewhere, but I've, I've only really properly preached it in one other place, and that was Bethel, just before Christmas last year, which was our, our first uh, trip back to Bethel after the, the pandemic and COVID and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, um, and I, I, something happened on, I think it was Thursday, that I knew that I was to share this message here. And in a way, I think how I would describe it is this isn't so much me preaching something for you to do. This is me holding up a mirror and saying, this is who you are. And um, now some of you might hear something for the first time and that's fine, but that's not my goal. My goal is to hold up a mirror and go, this is who you are. Um, you could probably call it Awaken the Dawn or something like that, um, which actually is a pretty, pretty good translation of your church name, Breakthrough Life, Awaken the Dawn. They're pretty much the same thing. In fact, you know, if you ever wanted a name change, you could just call yourself Dawn Church or something. But um, Breakthrough Life is perfectly good. But you get where I'm coming from. It's who you are. So I'm going to speak into your identity. The verse that Daryl um, used was this from... Uh, Psalm 57, uh, I think, did you do 57 or 108? Yeah, just making sure that I 
because it's in 108 as well. It's almost the same phrase. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises. Awake my glory, awake harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. It's a good verse, isn't it? But uh, let's have a look um, because Job's got something to say about this. And it's, it's brilliant, begs a question. Job in uh, 30, chapter 38, verse 12. You probably won't have many preachers open meetings reading from Job, but they probably should. It's amazing stuff. I mean, Job, even Job knew that his Redeemer lived. I mean, it's an incredible statement. I know that my Redeemer lives. In the middle of all his crisis, I know that my Redeemer lives. That would preach, but I'm not, so we won't go there. Um, verse 12, have you ever in your life commanded the morning or the dawn? Have you? Anyone here done that? Open the door, thought it's a bit of dark out there. Come on, dawn. It's funny because Lisa was saying to me that when they moved into their house, they moved in and they were seeing the dawn and she went down one September morning and because of the position of the sun, she couldn't see the dawn and she started saying, I, I started saying, Dawn, where are you? Come back. It's like, so she's actually had a go at this, which is impressive, you know. Um, but I don't think it, 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 actually, I don't think the sun moved around for her. We can't is the answer to the question. You can't command the dawn. But then the next verse, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it. Which the, the natural dawn doesn't shake the wicked out of the earth. So what is this? What, what, what is this that, that we're talking about? And I, I want to just take you on a little bit of a journey. I, I gather I've got a little bit longer um, in the second service. And you, you, you're happy to be here till about four. So I'm going to take it slowly. But um, I love Isaiah chapter 9. And when I say I love it, I, I really do. I have, I have read it in hospitals, in prisons, in churches, in the street. I have read this chapter. I am pretty certain I could make it fit a child dedication, a wedding, a wedding anniversary, a burial, a commissioning of a church, a sending out of a minister. I could make that fit. But I have to say, a little embarrassed, that I hadn't really ever paid as much attention to the end of chapter 8. And that's what I'm going to read to you. And I, I jumped on a plane before Christmas to go to Bethel. And I had one message and I got off the plane with another message. That doesn't often happen to me, but it came out of just reading this. Let me read it to you. Uh, Isaiah 8 16 bind up the testimony seal the law among my disciples who knew there were disciples in the Old Testament did you anyone know that I, I didn't before I read that I thought Jesus started that but no there's disciples and testimony and the law and I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. I will even look eagerly for him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are for signs and wonders in Israel. Is this really the Old Testament? Because it doesn't sound like it right now. It sounds like the New Testament. 
They have signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. And when they say to you, consult the mediums and the spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people consult their God? Should they consult the dead on behalf of the living? In case you don't know, the answer is no, they shouldn't. And then it says this, to the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. And it's honestly, when I read it, I'd never seen that. I'd never seen that verse in the context. And then it goes on to say this, and they will pass through the land hard-pressed and famished. And it will turn out that when they are hungry, they will be enraged and curse their king and their God as they face upward. And then they will look to the earth and behold distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be driven away into darkness. Just as side note, check where you're looking in the tough times. Check yourself. Are you looking up and blaming God? Are you looking down at the earth in doom and gloom? Neither is a good idea. Then we go into the great Isaiah chapter 9, which I'm sure that you have been to the Christmas carol service that reads these words. We should not just leave them for Christmas. They're better than that. But there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. That's good news. Lady over there was in anguish four weeks ago. There's no more gloom for those who were in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulon and Naphtali with contempt. But later on, he shall make it glorious. By the way of the sea, on the other side of Jordan, Galilee of the Galilees, the people who walk in darkness, which might be what you feel like in the middle of load shedding, will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Thou shalt multiply the nation, thou shalt increase their gladness. They will be glad in thy presence, as with the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice. Divide the spoil. Is that me or are we all right? For thou shalt break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, as at the battle of Midian. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. I'm, was big, I prepared this message as we were coming out of COVID, darkness. And I don't know what your experience was here, but we were limited for quite a number of months in the UK that we could only go out once a day. And uh, apart from that, we were stuck in our homes. But in some respects, even, even that was completely different to the lives that the people in Bible times lived. You see, we, we were only allowed to, you know, go out at certain times. Well, that's all that these people are allowed to do, not because of rules, but because of light. You, they couldn't travel and they couldn't work unless it was light. That isn't our problem today. They understood darkness. I mean, you've got Joburg is ambient light like ours at Heathrow. It's never dark. But in these days, it was dark. I mean, it was dark, dark in these days. So when you start reading about darkness, it really is the dark. And you can't see where you're going, you can't travel anywhere, and you can only go out when it's light to work. 
Isn't that what we live through to some extent? And uh, it's important for us just to read the Bible and understand the context in which the words were written. See, when it says later on in, in, in chapter 9, they will be glad in thy presence as with the gladness of harvest, that's because their whole year was focused on that one thing. And, and their days were completely managed by the light and by the seasons. And so that, that kind of joy is a joy I don't think we really understand or can get our heads around. And I, I just want to say that because for me, this is what makes this so important. See, it doesn't matter how dark it is. The message I have today is that we carry the light. We carry the dawn. But just for a minute, I want to, I want to try and take you on a little bit of a journey. Um, I, I wish I was a better actor. I'd, I'd be able to act this out. But I want to invite you just to join me on something. Imagine I'm Isaiah and I'm meeting Zebulon and Naphtali, as it were, in Isaiah. But Zebulon and Naphtali are going to be alive in my story from Genesis 49 through till Matthew chapter 4. Can you run with that? So that's this, the big picture. And I'm Isaiah, and I'm, I'm going to meet them. Now, incidentally, let's just start here. Who are Zebulon and Naphtali? Not too much shouting going on. You see, if I asked you who were um, Judah and Benjamin, you'd have shouted out, well, they're sons of Jacob, tribes of Israel. Well, so are Zebulon and Naphtali. They're just a bit left out. And they don't appear very much. But imagine I, Isaiah, I meet them in the middle of chapter 8. And they're in darkness. And they're moaning and groaning about their lives. I mean, Naphtali. I mean, my name means wrestling is what he's going to tell me. My name means wrestling. And Zebulon would probably say something like this. Well, I've Googled my name and it doesn't have a meaning. It doesn't appear that Google comes up with an answer for what my name means. So they're moaning and groaning. And they're living in darkness. And start saying, you know, and our mums, they had this strange relationship, Leah and Rachel. And uh, you see, Zebulon was, was born of Leah. And then, you know, Leah, you know, basically there's, there's other kids that are born. They're a dysfunctional family, quite frankly. I mean, Jacob's lot dysfunctional family I mean 12 sons born of four different wives you know servant girls involved in it right old mess that's Zebulon and Naphtali so they're moaning moaning to me Isaiah and saying look my name's Wrestle our parents were arguing our dad he his name was deceiver I mean what kind of a family is this that we come from and now we're living in darkness and it's gloomy and it's doom and people are consulting with spiritualists and asking, you know, the dead for advice. And then I start to talk. Hey guys, um, you know this wrestling thing? Wasn't your dad the guy that wrestled with an angel? And his name got changed from deceiver to Israel. The name which has carried on right the way through time as the family of the people of Israel. Isn't that, isn't that your dad? Oh, yeah, that, that, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And you guys, do you remember that day when your dad, he leaned on his staff 
He was just about to die and he prophesied over all 12 kids. And he prophesied over you. He prophesied this over, over you two. Zeb and Nat, as we'll now call them, because we're developing a closer relationship. <laughs> Zebulon, your dad said this to you. You'll dwell at the seashore. He, you'll be a haven for ships. And your flank will be towards Sidon. That sounds pretty cool. And, and Naphtali, your dad said you're a doe let loose. He gives beautiful words. Do you remember that? You come from this great family, but you keep thinking about all the bad stuff, all the doom and all the gloom. You keep moaning about your name. My name's Wrestle. My dad's name's Deceiver. But your dad's became Israel because he wrestled with God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have something to say to you guys. There'll be no more gloom for those who live in anguish that the land of Naphtali and Zebulon was held in contempt, but one day the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Thou shalt multiply the nation. And then fast forward, and the phone goes, Hey, Isaiah here, who's that? It's, it's Zeb and Nat. Hi, how you doing? You'll never believe it. You'll never believe it. What? Believe what? He's moved in. What do you mean he's moved in? That, that guy, that, that Jewish guy, king guy, he's moved in. What do you mean he's moved in? Yeah, he, he's, 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 he's moved in. He's in our land. What do you mean your land? Yeah, he's, he's moved in. He came here straight from Nazareth. He, he, he was born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, and now he's moved here. Really? You mean Jesus has moved in? Yes, Jesus has moved in. Here it is. And leaving Nazareth, he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulon and Naphtali, Matthew chapter 4. The two forgotten tribes that none of you seem to know who they were was the first place Jesus went from Nazareth. By the way of the sea, You'll dwell by the sea, remember? By the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. And to those who were sitting in the land in shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Oh, let's go back for a moment. This is fun. It's amazing. He saw two brothers, Peter and Andrew, follow me. He saw James and John, the son of Zebedee, follow me. What is he doing? He called the disciples. What did we have in Isaiah chapter 8? Bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples. That this word happened, Zebulon and Naphtali, way back there. They were given the prophetic word. They were the sons of Jacob. Then they find themselves in doom and gloom, but a word is given. And then Jesus moves into their land, a doe let loose, saying beautiful words. What's that? And Jesus was going about in all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness, signs and miracles that was in chapter 8. 
What, what am I getting at? You see, when we awaken the dawn, we show people the dawn before they can see it for themselves. That, that's what, that's what, just what I'm trying to illustrate, this incredible story. Zebulon and Naphtali that none of us barely knew. I'm, I confess, I wasn't immediately going, oh yeah, they're two tribes. I, I'm thinking, where else do they appear in the Bible? They're hardly in the Bible. Loads of the other tribes are all over the place, but not these two. See, what, is, what did Isaiah say? If you do not have the law and the testimony, you do not carry the dawn. What Isaiah did was gave the law and the testimony, as it were, the prophetic word. See, when you carry the law, what's the law? The law is the word of God. It, it's, 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 I mean, it's the, all of it. But, but what you can do is carry, just carry elements of it. You don't need to know every word. You, you need to know the, the big truths, the big principles. When, when you have that, and the testimony is what God has done. Those two things. If you know what he said, and you know what he's done, you carry the dawn. And Breakthrough Life is a church that shows people the dawn before they can see it for themselves. It's a call on your lives. It's who you are. Breakthrough Life. See, people come in here. They come in here, I don't know what, how you would describe somebody is obviously in darkness. But you know who they are when they come in the room. I, I've met, and I don't want to stereotype, but I've, I've very often found myself praying for people who've got that, some of that gothic stuff going on. It's all black and black nails and everything's going on black and you, you know something's going on. And you, they come to the front, they're in a meeting and you, you're praying for them at the end and you just get maybe just for a moment to go, you're beautiful. There's a beauty about you. What are you doing? You're showing somebody the dawn before they can see it for themselves. I preached this in Bethel and it's impossible for me to tell the story without thinking of this. And to be honest, without a tear in my eye, which is just a problem I have occasionally. In 1999, Sue met a man in, in England and uh, she was on her own personal journey of pursuing some things in her life. And uh, that man ended up going to Bethel in uh, about May of 1999. And uh, he was there leading a conference. And while he was there, he spoke to Bill and Benny. And Bill and Benny, he, he said, I'm, I, I'm good. He, I think he called you a young girl, didn't he? I'm working with a young girl in England, which is about right. And I, I don't know how to help her with something. And Bill and Benny said, oh, you need to go and speak to Pastor Allen. And so this person went and spoke to Pastor Allen. And Pastor Allen just happened to be coming to Spain that summer. And, and Bill gave him permission, and I believe paid the ticket for that man to visit Sue. What? And everything else is history. That's why it makes me cry, because it's what started it all. Bill showed Sue the dawn before she could see it for herself. He paid the, he, it. If you think how crazy this is, Bill had never met us. I run, I run a prison. Sue's on a personal journey. A man in a church in Reading pays an air ticket to show her the dawn before she can see it for herself. 
And that young girl's husband becomes a member of the senior team at Bethel. You can't make it up. My point is this. Bethel shows people the dawn before they can see it for themselves. Breakthrough life shows people the dawn before they can see it for themselves. See, here's the truth. Darkness doesn't understand light. It's in the Bible. I use a lot of Bible these days. The theologians around me should be proud of me. I talk about Jesus and the gospel a lot, the evangelists are happy, and I talk about the Bible a lot, which makes the theologians happy. So I think I'm all right. John 1, 4. Oh, yeah, 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The darkness can't make sense of light. You know the truth. You can turn off the lights. You can make it as dark as you like. But you light one light in the room, and the darkness goes. It can't stay. It can't comprehend it. You see, when we awaken the dawn, it's because we carry the dawn. We carry the law and we carry the testimony. I'm telling lots of stories about my wife because really our our marriage is basically this. She comes up with loads of things and I come up here and talk about them. Basically, that's what it is. This is how we work. But... I'll guarantee you this. Say, say one of you's in a, in a difficult situation. You got, uh, and for some reason, we end up on a Zoom with you, talking to you. And uh, you'll start saying, this is my problem. I'll maybe be saying a few things. Meanwhile, my wife's head is spurring around. And she's pulling out these testimonies. And she'll suddenly go, I remember when there was this person and they visited Bethel. I think it was 2007. Yeah, they got off a plane there. They went there. She knows crazy amount of detail. And they got healed of exactly what you're talking about. She pulls the testimony out. She really does do that. You think I'm exaggerating? She does that. She'll remember these bizarre, odd testimonies. Uh, you know, she'll hear one diagnosis. and You go, oh, yeah, I think that strange diagnosis that you know barely any doctor in the world's heard of got healed you know and knows time date and place it happened it's bizarre okay just trust me it's bizarre what's the point she pulls the testimony out she goes there's the testimony and then she goes and God's good and nothing's impossible and Jesus has won absolute victory and we are significant and it's all you need to show someone the dawn to show them the light before they can see it for themselves. It's what we do. It's who we are. And it's who you are. And it's what you do. You carry the dawn. And it doesn't need to be complicated. It doesn't. My wife's fairly unlikely to read a heavy commentary. But she'll grab hold of the truth that God is good. And you will have to wrestle her for a very long time to take that truth away from her. Because it's the truth. It's the law that she carries. See, it's, it's, it's the way that God works. It's, it's what I was trying to illustrate here. Zebulon and Naphtali, you're, you're thinking so much about all the negative stuff. And now you're living in darkness in Isaiah. But I want to tell you that there's a day coming when the light's going to dawn. There's a day coming when your prophetic words are going to come to pass. There's a day coming when the gospel preacher, the beautiful words, the signs, wonders, and miracles will be seen in your land. And what we get to do is to show the dawn to people. 
before they can see it for themselves. It's beautiful, isn't it? What a job description. Show people the dawn. You know, it's actually not hard. It it really isn't hard. It doesn't have to have loads of spiritual stuff. The reason it's not hard is because it's who we are. We're prophetic people. And we're made in the image of God. And we recognize people who are made in the image of God. But the darkness doesn't understand it. You know what the darkness has tried to do? It's tried to tear the light apart recently. Deconstructed the light. Let's take it apart into the different colors. Let's dilute it. Let's not make it quite as bright. Let's deny it even exists. Let's divide it, dilute it, deny it, deconstruct it. You can't. You can't. The light's the light. Darkness, you just don't understand it. You can work as hard as you like to tear apart the light of the gospel. But if you put the gospel in a room full of darkness, the light appears. And there ain't a thing that darkness can do about it. As surely as if this room was dark and one person lit one match, the room will light up. It's the same thing. And we get to light one match in somebody's life and go, see this? This is what you look like. I'm going to show you this before you understand it for yourself. See, this house, you might not realize it, but it's a very special place. God's doing something here. Am I saying that because I say it everywhere I go? You can ask my wife. I don't. In fact, I've come to the conclusion that you're one of my big five. I mean, next week we're going to see the big five and wild dogs. But I'm talking about churches. I'm talking about places that we go where we feel at home in the presence and in relationships at a level that very few match up to. And I'm pretty sure Sue would agree with me. To be honest, we'll probably feel something similar next week with with every nation. But apart from that, I can only think of about three other places. It's not the preaching, because I never hear the preaching when I travel. All I hear is my preaching. And sadly, all Sue usually hears is my preaching. I mean, funny story about this message. We've been in lockdown for two and a half years. And we get to go to Bethel for the first time in three years. And Sue's like, I'm looking forward to being in Bethel. I really want to hear Bill. So we fly 5,000 miles. And she listens to me four times on that Sunday morning. She flew 5,000 miles to listen to her husband that she'd been in lockdown with for two years preach. She was very kind though. She said, well, at least she came up with a new message. That was good. <laughs> but it is a special house. And there's something else that's happening here uh, that I, I, wanna, I just want to mention, and that's worship. You see, the verse that Daryl brought is that worship awakens the dawn. You see, you awaken the dawn because you carry the law and the testimony. 
You, 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 you can save things to people. You can pull them out of the word of God. You can speak into people's lives. You can show them the dawn before they can see it for themselves. And you can give them the testimony and say, I've seen it happen before, you know. Let me tell you about this person when that happened to them. But there's something else that happens and that's worship. Because what Psalm 57 said was that worship awakens the dawn. I have a feeling that that's not so much individual, but that's in a, in a region, in a group of people. I, I think it applies to us individually, but I, I have a sense that it's for a region. I have a sense that there is a sound of worship in this house that is awakening the dawn in a region. And it's very, very special. You see, when we travel, I don't hear the preacher, but I do experience the worship. So when I walk into a house that has worship, that's worship that makes me know I'm home and I'm in the presence, I know I'm somewhere special. That's why I put you in the big five. I don't know which one of the five you want to be, but you know what I'm saying. It's a very special house. I do want to encourage you, please don't take it for granted. Don't take for granted the leadership of this house. Because the leadership of this house that enables what happens on here to be the worship that leads you into the presence of God in a way that you can't get in very many places. And it's very special. You see, worship awakens the dawn. And I believe that's what's happening here. There is an awakening of the dawn in a region by the worship, by the sound of worship in this region. And I do believe that it's very significant and that it's very important. There are many people out there, they're students of darkness. But you get to be carriers of the dawn. Check your social media, it's full of darkness. It's all over the place. I mean, I mean, when the queen died, it's like, I'm looking at all the, all the stuff. You know, she loved Jesus. She was our best evangelist for the last 15 years on Christmas Day, that's for sure. She talked about Jesus, but the number of people that could find stuff to say, darkness and doom and gloom and horrible stuff. We live in a world where there are so many students of darkness, but we get to be the carriers of dawn. And just sometimes I, I look at these posts and I notice that somebody decided to put some dawn in the post. And the darkness starts arguing with it because it doesn't understand it. But it's what we get to be. And in many respects, what we get to be and what we get to do is we're bringing hope. Uh, I want to read another verse to you from Job. It's Job 5.16. It's, it's a wonderful verse. I tell you, I was so happy. When I preached this before Christmas, Steve Backlund was there. Now, I thought Steve Backlund had got every verse on hope tattooed to his body. I thought he'd gotten them all. Joy and hope, I thought he'd gotten them all. And I read this and he goes, I've, I never noticed that before. It's like, that's good then. You can have it. I don't mind. You can use it. So the helpless has hope. And unrighteousness must shut its mouth. What a verse. What does it mean? It means when you show people the dawn before they can see it for themselves, when the hopeless find hope, unrighteousness must shut its mouth. You want to silence the unrighteousness in this region, what John was praying? Show people the dawn. When the helpless find hope, when somebody comes up the front here for prayer and you whisper in their ear, 
I see what you look like. You might feel like you live in darkness and gloom right now. But the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. See, it's our great privilege to be dawn carriers. Carriers of the dawn. And every one of you is doing it. And every one of you can do it more and more. You carry the dawn. I'm going to invite Tanya up, whether I pronounce it right or not. She's going to lead us a little bit as we close this meeting. And uh, I asked her first service without any notice. and It was so beautiful. So I'm glad we've got a little bit of time for this. Because I believe what the Lord is going to do is he is going to release the dawn in this room. That into your situations and circumstances, he's going to begin to release the dawn. But he's going to do more than that. He's going to empower you to be dawn carriers. To carry the dawn. To start to look for people. As you go about your life and whisper in their ears, the dawn's coming. I know it is because the law's inside of me. When Sue and I, when I was diagnosed with prostate cancer, I remember we went for a walk. She started to say, remember when? He's never let us down before. Remember when he did that? He's never let us down before. And it became a way of life for us to remind ourselves of the testimonies and then to remind myself of the law. He's good. He heals. He provides. See, if you carry the law and the testimony, you carry the dawn. And when you carry the dawn, you get to tell people in darkness, this is what the dawn looks like. And to show them the dawn before they can see it for themselves. Breakthrough life, you're dawn carriers. It's who you are. It's what you're here for. Dawn carriers for individuals. And I'm going to dare to say, dawn carriers for a region. And as you worship, as you worship, you're awakening the dawn. Can a man awaken the dawn? No. Not in the natural, but in the spiritual you awaken the dawn. And that's why how the evil gets shaken off the earth, as it says in Job. Because you're awakening a spiritual dawn. You're dawn carriers. How does invite you just to, you can sit or you can stand and as Tanya just leads us. Let the dawn, dawn in you, in your hearts. Get a vision for people you can bring the dawn to. Start to believe that evil will be shaken from this region because you've awakened the dawn. You're dawn carriers and you do it beautifully, but you've only just begun.
I just want to invite you to come to the front if you need the dawn. If you need someone to show you the dawn, that you feel like right now you're in darkness, in gloom, just come to the front. And while Tanya's singing, people will just come and lay hands on you. They may or may not pray for you. They may or they may not prophesy. But I want you just to come to the front. Just step to the front as Tanya sings. If you need, if you need the dawn, darkness, there's gloom, there's anxiety, there's difficulty, there's loss of purpose, 
there's sickness, there's relational challenges, whatever they are, it doesn't matter. You see, the gospel is the light and the gospel has the answer for every shade of darkness in our world. And, and come to the front and let someone show you the dawn to lay hands on your back. And as Tanya sings over you, the anointing of what she's singing will bring the breakthrough. Just come to the front. I know there's more of you than this lady here. Just come to the front. Come to the front. Yeah. And whatever ministry team or students, just come to the front.
is ours, it is ours. We claim it, we claim it in this house, in this house. We claim it, we claim it, it is ours, it is ours. Your miracles, your miracles, we claim it, we claim it is ours, it is ours. We claim it, we claim it in this house, in this house. We claim it, we claim that your light will shine, your light will shine over the city. I talked about this tonight. If you have infertility, if there's anyone here and you have infertility, you can't have children. You're married, you can't have children. I want you to come to the front. Just come and stand in the middle here. That's you. Or if you have kids that can't have kids, in other words, you want to be grandparents. Um, just come and stand here. Just come and stand here. Sue and I have ministered all around the world, and honestly, we've seen the kind of breakthrough in situations that we never dreamed we'd see but we know we have authority because it's our story and when you know you believe your story it releases authority and we were healed of infertility and we've seen dozens of people around the world 
maybe hundreds. I, I don't count. It's not an issue. Is anyone, anyone else here? You, you, you want to have children. You can't have children. You've got kids that can't have children. There's one other category. If you have somebody either in your congregation, if you're a pastor, or you have a close working colleague or friend, the only thing in that situation I'll ask is that you tell them you did it. My wife prayed for a young lady whose friend was a Muslim office worker, and that Muslim lady got pregnant. We, we've seen extraordinary situations, impossible situations, problems with the man, problems with the woman. We've walked people through infertility treatment, IVF treatment. A lady who was 50, had an egg donor implanted. 50, carried the baby. My wife championed her, championed her every step of the way. So we're just gonna, I'm just going to pray for you now and then we'll come down and lay hands on you. Now I pray a prayer. It sounds like a formula. It isn't. It's just that I want to make sure that we cover some ground. Um, but we expect you to get pregnant. We expect, it just, I mean, pun intended, we expect it. And we expect to come back next year and be introduced to babies because it's what he does. It's what he does. So Father, I pray today, I pray and declare that you will conceive or those that you stand for will conceive, will carry, will deliver healthy, full-term babies. Conceive, carry, deliver healthy, full-term babies in the name of Jesus. Every impediment get out of the way. Whether it's low sperm counts, reproductive system problems, they bow the knee to Jesus and I declare original design go forth and multiply, conceive, carry, deliver. I want to show you the dawn. If you went to my wife's phone, you can see it. It's our son Luke, who God gave us in 1988, but now he's holding his baby girl, Jane. I could show you the dawn. What we never believed would happen happened it's the dawn and why did it happen because it's who he is he heals and he's good and nothing's impossible may you conceive I declare it conceive carry deliver and those that you represent conceive carry deliver healthy full-term babies in the name of Jesus amen